0: The Rogers Center, also known as the Sky Dome, is possibly being torn down. This is On The Rise Podcast, Season 2. Listen now on all major platforms, as well as midtownradio.ca, weekends at 10 a.m. Welcome your host, Sam Donzig and Evan Brown. Welcome to episode 33 of the On The Podcast. It's hot out of the oven. The Blue Jays' ownership is reportedly not official, all speculation as of right now, talking about demolishing or taking down, destroying the Rogers setting, also known as the Sky Dome, for a new stadium. This is, I think you talked about it as well uh, before the podcast, it's possibly not until 2025 when this is happening. This yeah, is all around speculation then, Around then, it's not going to happen like instantly. It's not like, because obviously the Blue Jays need a center to play. Um, obviously, you know, if you think about it, actually... Doing this like during this COVID thing, and since where we are right now, it wouldn't be a bad. I know it's going to be like a couple years, but if you think about it, uh it wouldn't be a bad time to start it now because they're not playing in Canada, so like they're I not playing. That's it- why they
1: were. That's why it's come up in conversation now. Yeah, that's like sure. that's why. It's, it,
0: it, yeah, it's it's coming up in conversation. Um, but I just it's want to a- get your overall thoughts of the idea of it possibly being destroyed. Because I know there's some talk about it. There's some structural issues with the thing, and that's possibly why they're rebuilding it or why they're building a new one. What are your overall thoughts there?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a tough past few years for the Rogers Center. I mean, it's the seventh oldest stadium in the league, I believe, at being 31 years old, even though we went through a name change and stuff like that. I saw a stat like the Braves, and I think – I want to say the Pirates have went through two different uh, – maybe it was the Mets, I don't know. Um, two teams in the MLB have gone through two stadiums each in the time that the, that the Sky Dome slash Rogers Center has been uh, up and functional. It's an older stadium, I get it. Uh, I mean, it does have a bit of structural thing, and it's been a while. I mean, it's tough because, like, unless it's playoffs, you don't see – it packed right like there's always the 500 levels that always seemed like a bit too unnecessary in a sense and uh for the past couple like i mean this past season you can't really say much because they were in uh buffalo obviously but the few seasons before that i mean uh we haven't really had like a really packed consistently filled up Rogers center for until like maybe, and since like maybe 2015, 2016 uh, type of thing. But that's just because like, obviously with the rebuild stages, and now we have all the young guns coming through. Uh, it'll be interesting to see once we actually can uh, see the Jays playing home games there with all the younger players that we have now with Hyunjin Ryu playing, like, especially after this pandemic, tickle sale, ticket sales are going to be going through the roof for the Rogers center. Uh, once we can officially have fans back in there. And I mean, just this it's, it's, it's been tough for Rogers because like I said, unless it's a playoff game or opening night, you don't see the Rogers Center filled really as much as other stadiums. And it's always been considered to be almost too big, like it, for, for a baseball season, uh, a baseball stadium. And I mean, uh, you have the Rogers Center. You have the, you have the hotels out there in uh, Centerfield center it's, field. It's had some different renovations throughout the years, which have been good, but it is an older one. And I think they've talked about two different sort of plans from what I've heard anyways. One is if they tear it down, uh, they'd be using, I think, because uh, it's all technically government land. So they have to wait for governor, government approval to do any sort of crazy stuff. But what they're talking about doing is Uh, using the north side of the property uh, for condos and apartment buildings and some more skyscrapers because Toronto need more needs more of those Uh, and then kind of replacing it with a uh, more small uh, a smaller stadium that seats less but is still as functional and then also having uh, more area for like some more memorial stuff outside and stuff like that which could be good and I mean it would be nice to have a more updated stadium. And I mean, the other plan would be, uh, there was talk of having, if they can't tear it down and, uh, or if they can't build the new stadium there, what there was talk of is there was this old, I think it's a Google sidewalk lab that was reportedly up for sale. It's apparently by, uh, by the water in Toronto. Uh, and it was reportedly up for sale for a while. Uh, Google tried to step in and purchase it, but then decided to step away. Uh, And there was talk of maybe that being the new site for the stadium at some point, depending on what Rogers wants to do, uh, which would be fine. I think because that would probably be the better plan in my opinion, because then you can still have games going on at the Rogers center uh, and still have the Jays play at home uh, while the construction would kind of be going on of the new stadium. But I mean, there's probably positive as a negative to each side personally. uh, Like, I mean, I have no real ultimate say in the matter. I don't work for Rogers or anything like that, or the government. But like, just to me, like, there, ha- like, my childhood was growing up watching games at the Rogers Center or on TV. But that that stadium to me is just so iconic, and I know it is uh, for a lot of young Jays fans uh, across the nation because we are a uh, large fan base. And I mean, it's such an iconic place. So many crazy memories there. The two World Series, obviously, uh, Joe Carter's home run uh up there like probably the number one moment just because the jays franchise was so young at that time Then obviously you got bat flip in 2015 like there's so many different crazy moments that have happened over the years at the rogers center so many famous moments and actually um another thing that just broke kind of today uh, regarding the Jays uh, was the fact that a uh, long time Blue Jays broadcaster Mike Wilner and the team have kind of parted ways, which was also sad to see I've, growing up. Like I said, Mike Wilner, always on the radio and he's been in the business for a long, long time. One of the pros. So it, it's, it's tough to see that kind of happen. And it's been, it's kind of an interesting day for Jays fans as far as that goes. But uh, I mean, Mike Wilner will be a legend always uh, forever remembered. Uh, for what he's done for this team Uh, I mean I don't know what's next for for him uh, personally but you never know if he decides to join another team if he retires who knows what's coming for him but just uh, like I said an interesting day for Jays fans kind of mixed emotions Uh, sad to see Wilner leave the team but also uh, remembering what he's done for the team all the uh, all the plays he's called over the years all the things he's done uh, as well as just the whole talk of the stadium and What's to come for it because it's such an iconic place and uh, if you've ever been there, attended a game there, you know the atmosphere in that stadium is something, something incredible, man. Like just to look up and especially if you go, my favorite time of a year to go is like middle of summer, uh, when it's like August or something like that. The Jays, I mean, when I when I was younger, they used to be not that great, so it was just tanking season, so it was just whatever how the Jays played, um, but like just middle august afternoon game on a weekend whether that's a junior jays saturday or what uh whatever they do that year um just going like the domes open you see the see the cn tower in the background like those days for me were the greatest growing up and it's going to be hard to see it's hard for me to see or let go of the fact that that could happen that it could change i mean it was going to happen eventually because it is like i said seventh oldest stadium in the league and there are positive negatives to the whole thing but to me it, it, it'll, it'll be sad to see it go I'm I mean as long as pandemic doesn't change anything between now and whenever this starts I mean I'm, I'm gonna be going there as much as I can obviously and th- there'll still be games at Rogers Center it's not like this is happening tomorrow or something like that but I, it's just gonna be interesting to remember and I mean so many different age groups of fans uh, of the Jays have seen this team play games here whether it's the uh, whether it's the first few fans when the team was first brought in, to the World Series fans of '92 and '93, or if it's like the Roy Halladay era around in the 2000s and uh, uh, early to, like up to the up to the 2010s, or if it's the newer era of Jays fans where uh, just the uh, lasting effect of guys like Jose Bautista and now the new age with like the Vladis of the world and the Vobachets and the future and the really bright future of the Blue Jays. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, it, it's such a, such a, such an interesting story with a bunch of mixed emotions for the Jays fans. And I mean, we'll see, we'll see how it goes over the next, uh, over the next coming weeks, who knows, uh, obviously uh, days, weeks, years, what's going to come out of this, but it's just interesting to hear talks of this. And I mean, it, it'll be, It'll be something, man. If it were to change, I mean, obviously it would probably be for the better uh, as it is very old and has a bunch of structural stuff going on. But the memories there will still have a major effect. And it wasn't even used like... Uh, not even just baseball like whether that's concerts that were there wrestlemania was there a few times i believe and like i think the one year toronto had the olympics i think they used it for a lot of stuff like uh or like paralympics or like there's so many different things that have been used in that uh, in rogers center and it'll be remembered by so many different people
0: and yeah i totally agree with you um, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely mixed emotion days for Jays fans. Um, in terms of yeah, the stadium is really old, like it's seventh oldest. So you said as well, 31 years, but the, just the history behind the stadium between the Rogers center, the sky dome, like as well, the Joe Carter era, Roy Halladay, all those different eras seen 2015. I remember watching that game. I wasn't there, but I remember watching the game, um, on TV, like the Jose B- Batista bad flip, you know, in 2015, oh. <laughs> there's, there's so many, there's so many different moments Um, historic moments, uh, iconic moments that are going to be remembered. And I think as well, it's not a bad idea with having a new stadium, like at a new site so that the Jays can still play, you know, in the future and stuff like hopefully by 2021, you know, there'll be a vaccine and stuff and people will be able to travel and like be able to play in Canada and stuff and have proper home games. And then at least, you know, and obviously this, again, it's not happening today. We don't control any of it. We don't work for the Jays. We don't work for the gun, but We we can't really choose, you know, I where wish. it goes and stuff. <laughs> we wish it would be, it would be really nice. It'd be really cool. But anyways, that's maybe a later dream. Um, anyways, yes. regarding that, if you have it by the water as well, you kind of like you're like it's similar to other ballparks because there's other ballparks that are close to the water as well, which is nice, you know. And I think it'd be really cool. And I this is this is a concept. I know maybe we may not we might not have the money for it as Canadian taxpayers, but do you know how in the vac in the Vegas Stadium they have like those massive big glass doors that open up and stuff? Yes. So here's what I'm thinking you have the stadium back onto the water and then you have the doors open in the summer so that you can like, when you're sitting, like when you're sitting behind the plate or behind the, like you can look out onto the water and like watch in the base, we watch the baseball game and you can see the water and stuff, see the boats on the water. It'd be pretty dope. Kind of might be expensive, kind of might not have the money for that, <laughs> but that would be yeah. pretty, that would be pretty <laughs> dope. Like unless, because, Cause the problem as well is like with the stadium is that it's an ownership of like the blue, J- the Rogers owns the ownership. It's like ML. Cause it's not uh like, it's not MLSC that like the MLC. No. Yeah. See so again, Rogers has probably a lot of money, but they don't have like billions of dollars. Like some of the other owners in the league might have, you know, to spend but, on a stadium. Yeah. And that's the thing though. I, mean, I know you mentioned like the taxpayers and stuff like that.
1: Technically it's uh, privately owned, so it wouldn't actually be taxpayers that would be yeah, it's, far, it's, It would really
0: yeah. be Rogers, mm-hmm. but yeah, it'd, it would be clearly Rogers. I, I, yeah. But anyways, if they could afford that, it would be cool because it would be pretty sick. And I know they wanted like, you know, less like fancy, like, may, like, like, like a smaller stadium and stuff. You could still have a smaller stadium, but you just have the big glass doors.
1: That's, that's my final thought on that. Well, um, I think the one, the one thing, just to wrap up this segment, Yeah. Uh, if there were to be a new stadium, uh, we're not going to have anything like the only other stadium the Jays have ever had, which is Exhibition Stadium uh, way back when. Where we're gonna be trying to play games in the snow, because back when the Jays were first uh, first introduced in the league, uh, they were they were waiting for the Skydome to be built, and they were playing at Exhibition Stadium, which was very poorly made, very makeshift. And and whether it was start of or end of March, start of April, or late September, those games were freezing. And there's so many different stories, and a lot of times it would be in the snow and whatever the new stadium is it to me it is pretty much impossible for it to be not in enclosed or some sort of dome format stadium yeah because because of the weather and stuff like that and because of baseball like i don't want to see jay's games in the snow ever like and i don't think anybody would come watch that like there's whatever the new stadium Mm -hmm. is it would have to be an up-to-date one with a different version of the skydome and I mean they have all the technology for that nowadays like they've been talking about redo it like the sky the sky dome itself um the whole concept 31 years ago when it was a big thing was incredible it was a technological wonder but nowadays it's very I mean it's cool to watch but it's still not as technically technologically advanced as it could be. So I think with the new stadium, they would have a new version of this dome where it could be probably faster because it takes a while usually for the dome to, to be closed or open. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what Rogers could do with that because they have the tech. Uh, they, if anybody has the tech to do that type of thing, it would be a big tech company like Rogers. So it'd be interesting to see what happens as far as that goes.
0: Moving on over into our second topic of hot out of the oven. Uh, we got Sarah Fuller, who is a Vanderbilt soccer star and student athlete who will suit up for Vanderbilt's men's football team as their kicker tomorrow. Vanderbilt who just, or sorry, Fuller who just won the Vanderbilt uh, women's title or NCAA championship with uh, Vanderbilt soccer team. So she will suit up for the, as their kicker tomorrow, will become the first female to play in a Power 5 game. How historic is this moment and what does this mean to the future of women in sports? It's, it's so historic. And I mean, like uh, you've seen over the past
1: few months, so many different influential signings. I mean, obviously, Kimming to the MLB, which uh, uh, becoming the general manager of the Miami Marlins, which was huge. Uh, we've seen just recently Kennel Coin Schofield going from the NWHA to a special advisor with the San Jose Sharks to now being a uh coach on the uh, Chicago Blackhawks and obviously uh, the, the merger with the NWHL and their upcoming season that they're excited about so many different things are happening for women's sports and this is this is just another huge one and I mean uh, Sarah Fuller um, just breaking into the uh, the men's sports world And I mean uh, I, she's gonna wear I think the hashtag uh, play like a girl or something like that on the back of her helmet just a, it's a non-for-profit charity I know that uh, that she is a very big supporter of and that we all should be a very big supporter of uh and i think it's just it's gonna be huge and i mean it starts with these college and university sports uh for these bigger uh influential moments it starts with the young younger athletes of the world uh, to become the more uh dominant one whether that's um starting to become the uh, end WNBA uh, pay increase or something like that. Like it starts, it starts with these uh, university athlete, uh, college athletes, and Vanderbilt uh, has always been one of my favorite universities uh, just because of how influential they are in the baseball world. They're a baseball centric school, but to see them stepping up in other aspects really makes me uh, happy as a more, uh, Vanderbilt fan, uh, well, casual fan, as far as that goes, but just makes me happy to see them doing something like this. And hopefully she can perform, uh, perform well, but even if she, I mean, even if she just comes on for a few kicks or something like that and scores, like if she, if she makes if she makes the kicks or not, it'll be a historic moment either way. And it'll, uh, start to, uh, empower more, uh, more, athletes like her to step up and uh join into male sports because i think this this should it should be more common that th- this type of thing happens and it should be i mean it the sports world is very male dominant at this time and we've seen it more and more uh the female uh female roles in the sports uh become more and more uh popular populated over the past few years and i think this is just a, a, another sign of good things to come and i think uh, Sarah Fuller will join a uh, ever-growing list of more and more uh, female uh, female uh, athletes and like coaches and many different personnel
0: in the world of sports. And it's just it's it's so big. It's so big. I could, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it's, it's a historic moment uh, and a- another historic moment of 2020. Of obviously, and it's like you know this year has been there's been a lot of downs with 2020, and but the this is good. This is another moment, like a positive moment, where we can be like, okay, you know, it's we're proud to, you know, be a part of this, and this is a huge moment. Like, you like you said as well, whether she makes the kick or not, the kicks or not, you know, it's still a historic moment. She's gonna go out there, represent a lot of women out there, and I think it's it's a big stepping stone towards getting equal, like equality or more opportunities for women in sport, and I think that's huge yeah. because like, as well, like, I've learned as well, like, in this past year, sports, like, oh, not past year, but many people know sports are male-dominated, sports are male-centered, sports are uh, male-identified. Those are three big things that are just common in sports, and the reason, like, you know, a big thing as well is, like, it's, it's the, it's not the, just the, you know, like, with every women's league there is, it's, there's a W we put in front of it, the WNBA, the Women's World Cup, right, because they have to distinct the difference between the two, but I really think that it's, like, like, in as much as you have to do this and stuff, but I think there should hopefully be a moment where we don't have to consider, you know, this be a woman's world cup. It's just a world cup with women in it, with that are women in president and stuff. You don't have to with that are present in it. So it's, it's overall a historic moment. It's, it's huge for the future of women's sports because now like little girls, like uh, Kamala Harris has said it and other women as well, knowing that women can be in power positions of not positions of power, but, Uh, positions of high ups in in, in different organizations and stuff and be successful in the world of sports and in other uh, jobs and stuff. It proves a lot of hope for a lot of young women and stuff. Um, Growing up, seeing these uh, athletes, Sarah Fuller or Kim Young, these other people in sport and stuff, and just overall a big thing. Yeah. And I
1: think, uh, the fact that she's doing it and, uh, promoting charities like, uh, hashtag play like a girl, that, uh, the non-for-profit organization there, like that, that that's huge as well. And I think, uh, it's going to be, a uh, it's going to be on e- uh, ESPN and TSN. I believe it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be, uh, one that anybody should go and watch if they have the time. And I mean, it's just, like I said, it's great to see her, uh, not only uh, having this opportunity, but also promoting these uh, non-for-profits uh, like uh, Play Like a Girl. And another one that is very prominent that I think should be supported a lot more and is a very uh, good one uh, for the hockey world anyways, is uh, Black Girl Hockey Club. That one, uh, that non-for-profit slash charity is a very, very good organization that uh, should be receiving more uh praise and recognition over the next few uh i mean it has already over the past few months but it will be growing ever uh, ever more as we see these uh roles continue to um continue to grow in population over the next few years uh and just not only a few years just in the future as we see more and more women join the sports
0: world Already that wraps up our hot out of the oven segment regarding the Blue Jays ownership, possibly reportedly talking about demolishing the Rogers Center, also known as the Skydome for a new stadium. And as well, the uh, very exciting story of Sailor Fuller being the first female to play in a power five game as the Vanderbilt men's football team kicker.
1: Moving on over
0: into our NFL week 12 preview it's not week 11 anymore it's week 12 just remember that <laughs> it's week 12 i believe and uh going on our first game we got the chiefs and the buccaneers obviously brady versus mahomes round four what are we feeling about this game obviously it's high powered offense in the homes versus the stingy bucks defense and obviously it's stingy to a degree because they have also let up a lot of points this season who's uh who's winning round four between brady and mahomes it's going to be Mahomes, man. I think uh, uh, over the over the past
1: few uh, few battles between these two, it's been kind of a bit unfair. Depending on, I mean, the first two matchups, it was uh, more Brady. I mean, Brady when he was younger, but also Brady with a more high, uh, uh, more comfortable situation with the Patriots and uh, more uh, dominant Brady, in my opinion. And then, I mean, obviously Mahomes winning the last one. Uh, going into this matchup, where I think. Mahomes is going to take this one. It's going to be a battle of new age versus old school. And I think uh, the new new age is going to take this one. I think this Chiefs team is more geared towards beating uh, this type of Bucs team. I mean, the Bucs defense is, like you said, a bit stingy, can give up a lot of points. And that uh, high-powered Mahomes offense is going to punish teams like that. I mean, if you have, you can say they're stingy all you want, but if they still give up a lot of points, teams like uh, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in their offense are going to put enough pressure. They are going to make their defense work. They are going to put up those points. They are going to find weak spots. They are going to win games like this. And I mean, the Buccaneers, judging by what I've seen off the past few weeks, do not have the level of offense that the Chiefs do to win this game. And I mean, uh, that's all starts with an aging Tom Brady that, I mean, we're going to keep talking about him because he's the top, uh, still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he is starting to decline. He is getting older. He is showing his age. And I think that's what this Buccaneers team is starting to notice too. And, I mean, I think it's just going to be a slow downfall of Tom Brady. And, I mean, hey, he could go out this week, surprise us all, and look like he's back in his prime. But it's still not going to be the Brady, like, over the next few weeks uh, and we've seen over the past few weeks uh, it's not the Brady we're used to seeing and a lot more interceptions, a lot more t- uh, sacks, a lot more fumbles, a lot more everything. And I think it's just, it's not the Brady we're used to seeing. And it's because he's getting older and it's because the new age is here. And that's why I'm taking the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Oh, it's,
0: this is so easy. You've got old versus new. You've got, you've got aging, Tom Brady, aging, Rob Gronkowski, aging, uh, Antonio Brown, who's not in his prime anymore. Like, let's be real. He's not in his prime. He's, he's past his prime. These better days are behind him. You've got Patrick Mahomes, a young star, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelce, who's all young, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Like, those four guys are going to destroy the Bucks. Now, stingy to a degree, yeah, the Bucks can, you know, be – Somewhat potent and stuff like that. You know, if they can create turnovers, if they can create pressure on Mahomes, it could be could be a, little, a lot closer. But it just Brady isn't it. Like now, granted as well, they're not playing in prime time, so Brady has a better chance because he sucks during prime time. But what's interesting as well, and I think what the biggest problem with the Buccaneers right now is that Brady, and, the, and I was watching a video on this, and basically with the success that he had with the Patriots, is that he never really threw a lot of deep balls. He never like he never threw deep unless he really knew, like, unless you unless he like absolutely had to win games. And he might have been great then. He mostly threw it around 10 yards with the pay, like 10, 10 yards or like that's that's the max. He never really was a deep ball slinger. Like he, he threw it down deep, but not a lot, but this season he's been like slinging the ball deep because they've needed to he's over 19, three interceptions on passes, 20 yards or more in length, which is ridiculous. And clearly that's a problem that the Buccaneers are going to have to change with the game plan, because if that's not working, then you need to stop. And I think if the Buccaneers want to have a chance to win this game, um, they need to rethink their, like their game plan, because really their game plan should be, keeping Mahomes on the sideline as much as possible. He's similar to like a Lamar Jackson. You want to keep him off the sideline or a Russell Wilson. You want to keep him or Kyler Murray. You want to keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible. Long drives, tire out the defense. Um, and I think we've seen that before with Brady with other teams with the Patriots and stuff, is that especially that AFC championship game, um, I believe it was twenty twenty eighteen when they played, where they just tired out the Chiefs defense. in my overtime, the Chiefs defense was so tired they just they just couldn't stop the Patriots. So I think that's a big aspect to it. So if they can do that, if they can keep the ball out of Mahomes. Brady's got to not turn over the ball. If Brady turns over the ball, it's game over. Like we've seen before and stuff, you know, we saw against the saints we saw against um, as well, the Rams, he threw multiple interceptions. It's just like, it's just not it. Now it's, it's, it's sad to see because, you know, he's a great player and he really, and he didn't want to retire last year because he would have been known as just, you know, a quitter, you know, he he lost it to the Colts and then he retired off like the last the last pass he threw was a pick six and stuff. He didn't want to go out like that. So he wanted to go with the proper bang of like, you know, winning. And this is kind of his last season to do that. Obviously, we've seen a decline and it could possibly lead to a possible win. In terms of who's winning, it's the Chiefs, no doubt. Um, but it's going to be nonetheless interesting. Our next game that I want to talk about is the Colts versus Titans. Obviously, both teams are eight and three. Uh, tied for the division. I believe the, Col- no, the, Colts, the Colts have the uh, tie break over the Titans, sorry, yeah, because they beat them earlier on. So, yeah, they're leading the division. First, first question I have for you is, can the, Colts, um, can the Colts defense stop Derrick Henry? Because I know he's tough to stop, and the Ravens defense weren't able to do it, and they usually are pretty good. So what are your thoughts there? See, The interesting thing about
1: what you just said there, about the Ravens stopping Derrick Henry, is that for the first half of the game, it looks like they it looked like they did. It looked like they had contained them as best as they probably could have and then by the time it got late into the game, by the time it got fourth quarter and then eventually overtime, they lost the handle. They lost control and that's what players like Derrick Henry do to your team. They make you lose control. You could keep them contained for as long as you possibly can. But either way, they're going to break out at some point and they're going to go off in that time span. And I don't think it's possible for the Colts defense to stop Derrick Henry. I know the Colts defense is a solid team, but with a player like Derrick Henry, you cannot contain him for long. It's like that clip of him uh, doing that incredible stiff arm early, that uh, early on in the year. No matter what, you cannot stop him. He is just going to bowl through you. He is going to find a way. And I think that's what the great players do. And I think uh, to be honest, I think that's why the Titans are winning this one. I think Derrick Henry is a force to be reckoned with. And I mean, as much as I was not high on the Titans early on in the season, I still don't think they're winning a super bowl this year, but I do think Derrick Henry is uh, his power is going to power through this tough Colts defense. And I think that is really going to push the Titans over the edge in this one. And they're going to reclaim that top of the division.
0: I would agree with you. I think after last week's performance, I underestimated the Titans because I honestly thought the Ravens would do a better job. They did as much as they could, but again, in overtime like last or like not before but like since before, they just get tired and you contain as much as possible and then he breaks you and then you just lose it on one play and the game's over. So it's, it's probably going to happen against the Colts. I, yeah, against the Colts like Derrick Henry is going to be contained for the first half of the game. It's going to seem to be contained second half maybe, but then again it's been said before second half is where he surges the first half he can struggle. But the second half, I believe he has like 20 touchdowns in his career in the second half compared to three in the first half. And he's got way more rushing yards. So in the, he's a second half running back, right? So teams can feel confident going in first half, like, okay, we've contained our Henry, But the question is, can you contain him in the second half Because games are won and lost in the second half. And the Titans know that as well, because the last time these two teams played the Titans, um, they were up in the first half, you know, they were up 17-13, but they didn't score a single point in the second half. They was 34-17 was the final score. It was multiple uh, multiple problems from the Titans on the other side in the second half that caused them, obviously, I don't know exactly what Derek Henry, his stats were in that game, and that would be definitely an interesting notion to have and stuff to see um, the, what, what kind of he did. Actually, let me see if I can pull that up. Uh, I know there. he only hit 100 yards when it, in,
1: like, the fourth quarter or something like that. It took him a while to get going, but uh, once he did get going, he scored that winning touchdown, and it was all over for the – it was too late for the Ravens at that point. They couldn't hold him back any longer.
0: Yeah, he um, he had no touchdowns. He had 19 carries for 103 yards, 5.4 5. 5. 4 yards, uh, like, average. Per right Not, yeah, that was yeah, – uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was against the Colts on – Oh, you're talking the Colts game. I was talking about the Ravens last week. Sorry. That's my. Oh yeah. So yeah. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what I was referring to. Yeah. Because the last time to these, these did play these two teams played the Colts um, ended up winning 34 to 17. So I was just looking up his stats, but in yeah, the Titans are winning this one as much as I don't want to say it. Like, you know, cause I'm, I'm high on the Colts and they seem to be like, it was, I don't know. I was glad that they won because they beat the Packers, which was good for us because the Packers didn't win. And that helped us get into, I believe now we're the second seed, which is good. Or I think we're, no, actually, no, we're the third seed. Sorry, yeah, we're the third seed. I'm be behind the Rams. But regardless, it was a big win because the Packers dropped down. So it was good. It was happy for the Colts. But I'm taking the Titans in the one. They're the better team. Uh, it's gonna be stuffed, it's gonna be tough to stop Derrick Henry, and he's gonna have a big game, and that's what I think is gonna happen. righty, that wraps our NFL week 12 preview, recap or previewing the Chiefs versus Buccaneers, Brady versus Mahomes, round four, and the Colts versus the Titans, which is pretty much Derrick Henry versus the Colts defense. Moving on over into our last topic of the debate. It's, uh, we're back with divine debates. And today's divine debate is an interesting one as well. Should Carson Wentz be benched for the rest of the season? Evan, you can give your take, and then I will give mine. And we can rebuttal back and forth. See,
1: to be quite honest with you, Sam, I don't know what the Eagles should do here. Because the Philadelphia Eagles are such an interesting team. That whole division is such an interesting one. Because... So you got the uh, after the results of the Thanksgiving Day games. You have Washington at four and seven, leading the division. You got the Eagles at three six and one in second. You got the Giants at three and seven in third, and you got the Cowboys at three and eight, rounding out the pack. But like, uh, it's I don't really know what to do with this Eagles team. Like, it's hard because you have if you want to like decide what you're any team in that NFC East decide what you're doing. Because, I mean, the Cowboys, it's pretty obvious. They're tanking at this point. Like, I I don't like Mike McCarthy right now. And I think it's pretty obvious that with all the injuries, it was just pointless for us to keep trying this season. I mean, they're going to still get some wins here and there. But at this point, it's pointless to keep trying, just keep losing games. I'm fine with that. The Giants, they're a young team. They're looking for draft picks. I don't think they're trying to go out and make the playoffs this year. But for the Eagles and and, uh, Washington, I don't really know what they're trying to do because Washington sometimes seems like it wants to try to win games. Other times they are bottom of the division. Same with the Eagles. They, I mean, they've been trying to win for the past few years, but have come so close, but really they don't have a overall incredible team that is going to be going out there and making a lot of noise in the playoffs. Like these teams have to decide whether or not they're actually going to go for this division because it is very much up for grabs right now. So if the Eagles, in my opinion, want to go out and try to win the division I don't really know what you do because you could keep trying Carson Wentz and hope he has in his one of his occasional outstanding games uh, in the midst of all of his bad games and just hope you get enough of those to help you push to the division for the rest of the season Or you could go the route of trying out Jalen Hurts, because that's your only other option at this point, unless you go out and try to sign somebody, which I don't really know what you would do at that point. You could try Jalen Hurts, obviously. uh, uh, Second round pick uh, from this past uh, season. Uh, 53rd overall was kind of the secondary pick behind Joe Burrow. Uh, Well, he was uh, runner up uh, for the Heisman Trophy 2019. Uh, was pretty much just behind Joe Burrow the entire time in all of like the uh, quarterback stat categories. Uh, so like, I don't know, man, the Eagles are such a confusing team because like, I don't really know what they are. I don't know if they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're tanking. I don't really know what to do with them. And frankly, I don't know if Carson Wentz should be mentioned for the rest of the season because I don't think they know what they're doing at this point. If you are trying to tank and you want to play for next year, good. Get Jalen Hurts in there. See what you can do. He's going to be your quarterback for the future. Get him in some games. Get him some playing time. If you're trying to win, you can do one of two things. You could try to keep hope. You can keep hoping Carson Wentz decides to be what he was a few years ago, which still wasn't a world beating quarterback, or you could try new school, see what Jalen Hurts can do for a few weeks, see if he can maybe get you some wins. Like, to be honest, I don't know what Carson Wentz and the Eagles, I don't know what the Eagles are supposed to do. I don't know what their plan is for the rest of the season. I don't know what they want to be. And I think that's what makes it so hard for me to answer this question, because I don't know what the Eagles are. I don't know what this division is anymore. And I really just don't, I don't know for this one. I don't.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm 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 not really disagreeing with you. I'm just going to give a straight answer. Yes, he should be benched. Here's why. Okay. Carson Wentz this season has a 3-6-1 record. You know, it's not all his fault, but I'm looking at his numbers. 58% completion, 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He is going for the Jameson 30 for 30. That's what he's aiming for. (laughs) That's what I think he's aiming for. He has had... Let me count this here. One, two, three, four, five, six games where he's thrown two interceptions. Two interceptions. That's like okay. now. Granted, as well, there's been multiple times where he's thrown two touchdowns and two interceptions. He seems to even it out. But regardless, that's losing against Cleveland. That's losing uh, That's win against Dallas, actually, 23-9. I don't know how somehow that's that's uh, they lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to Pittsburgh, which are close game actually, but still through two interceptions. Um, lost against the other Rams and lost against Washington to start the year. The Washington football team beat him to start the year because he threw two interceptions. Um, for me, it's just, it's pretty easy because like Jalen hurts is really your quarterback for the future. When you look at it, Carson Wentz is like, he like, since coming back from the injury, he isn't the same. He had a really a one good year. Uh, like two two decently good years like or mostly one good year and like really good you know everyone thought he was good and then he injured himself if he honestly I'm gonna say if Carson Wentz didn't go down with that injury his career would be a lot lot better because that injury maybe, sig- maybe. significantly it, no I'm serious because like he, he was having a really good year that year and maybe it could have been luck of the draw that he was really good and he's come back from injury and obviously he's been off of injury for now a couple seasons now like he's been injury ridden a little bit here and there and stuff but it's time to move on. Jalen Hurts, yeah, you drafted him in the second round, but there's a reason why the Eagles drafted him and not a receiver. Like, if the Eagles really believed in Carson Wentz as a quarterback, and I know many of other people have said this as well, why would they take Jalen Hurts, even though he's a second-round pick, as their quarterback? Like, if they were like, if they're like, yeah, we believe in Carson Wentz, let's draft a quarterback. Now, granted as well, the Packers drafted Jordan Love, and like, there was a whole bunch of controversy there, but not, and again, not comparing the two, Aaron Rodgers, much better quarterback than Carson Wentz. So clearly yes. <laughs> Jordan Love is probably a backup or like a, a plan down the future. You know, five years later, that's, yeah. that he, that's what he was drafted for. So, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is that guy because Carson Wentz is just so bad. If Jalen Hurts was a, if if Carson Wentz was a good quarterback, overall was a good quarterback, then I think, then I think they would be, okay, they're drafting for the future. You know, they're drafting like, they're pulling like a, a Brad Favre situation where five years later, he's going to be the starter and Carson Wentz is going to be gone somewhere but in regardless I honestly think that he needs to be benched because you like if Carson Wentz is not working out throw Jalen Hurts there what else do you have to lose what else do you have to lose you yeah. might lose the division but in the chance that he actually is pretty good he wins some games now granted as well Jalen Hurts has been in some snaps hasn't looked the greatest but I'm pretty sure he looks a little bit better if you got some more practice and some more reps in he would be better than the Carson Wentz you got to put the man in uh, I don't know who exactly I know. There's people who still support Carson Wentz as a quarterback, like Dan Olofsky and some other people. I know I'm like, how can you support cant Like, like it's, it, it's, it's his fault. Like there's a certain play that I want to point out as well. He was playing against Browns last week. He was seeing pressure. He wanted to dump the ball off to his running back, but he like, again, got hit and it ended up being pick six. Then again, was an issue of not knowing to get rid of the ball quicker, being smart, move your legs, move the ball somewhere else, be, be smarter with the ball than throw it in air and throw. There was mistakes. There was, uh, it was just, it was just constant mistakes where I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just feeling it. I'm just going a little bit of rant here, but uh, Carson Wentz should definitely be benched for the rest of the season. That's what I think.
1: Any yeah, other, any I, other
0: comments or like, I just,
1: I just said, get, I was just going to echo, echo what you said. Give, give Jalen hurts a chance at least a few weeks just to see what he's like, because you have nothing else to lose at this point, And, you might as well start to figure some stuff out because Carson Wentz, I mean, you said, I mean, uh, he's been matching it going 30 for 30. I mean, great. You have 30 touchdowns, but that's not like having even amount of touchdowns and interceptions isn't good. That's not something you should be proud of having two touchdowns and two interceptions a game. That's not something you should be proud of if you're Carson Wentz. So it's something they need to work on. It's something they need to fix if they want to if they want to go for the division fix that that's your main thing whether that's replacing him or whether that's making him uh well not making him because you can't really make him do something but figuring out a way to get him less INTs because that's going to be if you want the division you have to do one of those two things if you're not give Jalen Hurts a chance because he is going to be your quarterback for the future and what if I've learned anything over watching sports. It is the fact that if you don't play somebody, they are not going to get better. If you saw, you saw that with um, the Leafs a few years ago, getting, I'm sorry, getting into hockey just because Mike Babcock refused to play Justin Hall for pretty much an entire season. He played six games. And every time Justin Hall got into a game that season, uh, everybody said, Oh wow. He looks so bad. Like uh, especially on social media and stuff like that. Everybody was saying, wow, Justin Hall, uh, really, really isn't playing well. And it's because he didn't play hockey. He didn't play hockey. He would just practice with a team. You need to get in game experience if you want to improve. And you need to, and And you look how, look how he did for the past season and look how he's going to be doing for the future. He's going to be a solid D in the bottom half of the Leafs lineup for the next few seasons onward. He is good. And that's what you have to do with these young players. You have to get them time to play in actual games because practice is not going to give them any sort of experience whatsoever into proving their potential you have to get Jalen Hurts in there you have to give him some time to actually show himself because like you said he has been in a few snaps but he hasn't looked great and that's because he hasn't been able to actually play a full game get comfortable in a game situation get used to playing in front of a much bigger crowd even though technically crowds aren't supposed to be much bigger than uh, they would have had in college or something like that but Still, you have to get him used to being play, uh, playing in NFL games. You have to get him used to playing in front of actual, actual opponents that have tough defenses that he would have to maneuver around, and you have to give him a chance. I say you have to figure out a way to get him more games. I don't know if it's benching Carson Wentz because I don't really know what their plan is for the rest of the season, like I said, but you have to get Jalen Hurts in there at some point either way for me this season.
0: Alrighty, that wraps up this segment of Divine Debates, debating whether should Carson Wentz be benched for the rest of the season. That wraps up this episode of Season 2 of the On The Rise Podcast. You should follow our Instagram at Podcast, listen in on midsoundradio.ca, and visit our website, On The Rise Podcast. We will see you on Wednesday.